Welcome to the Heroes of Reality podcast, a podcast about the game of life and the hero's journey we all experience. Let's jump in with our host, Dylan Watkins, as he introduces today's guest. Welcome, adventurers. Dylan here. We just had an internet outage, so it dropped. So we're taking take two for Michael Levesky, and he is a creative director and XR technologist. He is the founder of CEO SciPlanet on a mission to connect the people with the ocean and evoke empathy for marine life and spark action in marine conservation. Since 2015, he has delivered over 60 immersive media products, pioneering the first ever 8K VR live streaming over a 5G network in Germany and developed 360 video monitoring techniques to access the corals reef ecology. He was awarded Deloitte for the high standards in innovation. Michael uses virtual reality as a tool to share his passion for the ocean and democratize access for everyone. As a director and producer of How Is the Water, an XR virtual ocean simulation, he was selected for the Cannes Film Festival. And without any delay or internet interruptions, I'd like to welcome my friend, Michael. Hey, hey, brother. How are you doing today? Good, good. How are you? I'm excellent, man. I'm excellent. I'm I'm super excited to talk to you about this. Uh, uh, we connected a, a little while ago because I think you were um, looking to uh, advertise uh, to the the group that we run over in Facebook, and you you mentioned that you're you're trying to save the world's oceans through VR, and I thought that was super duper cool. So we hopped on a little chat. We chatted for a little bit. I was like, this is great, man. Let's 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 talk a little bit more about this and see where the conversations go. So. Um, I would love to just first start off with, like, how did you get into wanting to save the world's oceans with VR? Can you talk just a little bit about the beginning of your journey? Uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. Sure. Um, so I guess the the very start was uh, when I started with freediving mm. and uh, found out that ocean or being underwater is my natural environment. And uh, then later when we are with, um, when we were with my partner, uh, Nenya Freediving in Brazil, we saved a turtle that was stuck oh, wow. in a shipwreck uh, while cool. freediving. And uh, that was really this moment when we thought, okay, uh, we should use our skills. Uh, she as a marine biologist and me as a VR technologist to, to do something. And that's why, how, how is the water was born. And um, actually the whole science planet uh, grew around the project. That's awesome. So uh, can you talk a little bit about Scion planet, like what that, what that means to you? Um, well, for me, it's a, we are a group of, of people that are passionate about the ocean mm-hmm. and want to share that passion with others. And uh, we see immersive media or virtual reality as the tool to share that passion because, you know, VR is great in uh, providing a different experiencing and transporting people uh, or giving them the opportunity to experience different perspectives. So that's why we want to use VR and immersive media to uh, share that connection or connect people with the ocean and marine life. And, um, let them maybe experience what they would otherwise not be able to experience. Cool, man. That's, that's great. And uh, yeah, it's interesting how there is kind of um, similarities between virtual reality and and diving in the ocean. You're immersed in this new medium. You're exposed to this environment. It seems somewhat magical. Um, I have a scoop. I'm scuba, scuba dive certified and such, and so I've gone in a couple of different places. 
um, and you do have this weird sense that you're you're literally floating in another reality. Uh, I don't know if you've ever had it where like you're swimming along and then like you stop and you look back and then like you see all of these fish everywhere following you and they're just kind of like, hey, what are you doing here? Like, like this is what makes sense. And so you you feel like a tourist or a traveler um, in their environment. Um, you, you said you felt native. You felt like it's your natural environment. Can you talk to me a little bit more about like what makes the ocean feel like a natural environment to you? Hmm. I think it's about this weird sense of tranquility and inner mm. peace. You know, you can really relax. Probably a lot of it is physio physiological, but mm. uh, when you submerge uh, your face, all these uh, mammal diving reflexes kick in. But it's when I originally started in, in I think it was in Thailand with my first freediving course, uh, not knowing much about freediving, I was fast able to go down to 20 meters, I think. And mm -hmm. then, you know, when you turn around, uh, hang there and like looking around and everything is super peaceful and uh, just have this deep blue all around you. And uh, it's, a, it's a very, very, very strong feeling for me. It's a, the only place where I can, where I can really uh, free my head of all the other things. And uh, yeah, then when I get up, you know, everyone was asking like, why did you stay down there so long? <laughs> and I didn't even know that I'm not supposed to do that. It was just, just felt so natural to, yeah. to just be there, hang there and like waiting for your body to tell you, okay, you don't really belong here. Go up, you need air. Yeah. Uh, and that's the, saddest moment for me because because uh, if I can just float and with my face down in the water you know and uh, let my thoughts or let my mind drift that's the moment when when I think I'm in peace <laughs> mm. yeah you kind of you, you lose yourself it's, it sounds like a sense of yeah. flow you're immersed yeah. you're you're you you forget about all of like the outside the oceans issues that are going on and you're just like there present and yeah. in the moment. Yeah. I've, I've, I felt that too. I think um, I have a couple of friends that go like lobster diving or spearfishing and they do things like that. And they tend to get really, they really love it. There's something about the, the holding of the breath, the being in the cold, the being focused on the task that just, you lose yourself um, in the moment. They've, they've tried to get me to do uh, lobster diving uh, with them. <laughs> I haven't quite done that yet. Uh, we have lots of uh, great whites in the area. And I'm like, I'm like, how bad do I want that lobster? I was like, it definitely is. Like, you're like snatching like a, the prize from the monster, you know? Like, ah, so, but like, it's it's a very cool and form. I heard a very like just peaceful experience. That's beautiful. Like, what do you, with what you're doing, like, do you have, you talked about the sea turtle a bit. Is there like one story, one thing, one um, yeah, one example that you can give to people that will motivate people to actually want to act. Because when you think about working on the like fixing Saving World's Oceans, it's a giant task. It's massive. It's huge. Yeah. It seems overwhelming. Yeah. Um, but is there a story that you have um, either by why or how, like, like, like mostly like why would they get involved into it? What does it mean to get active into it? Is there, is there something that you have, uh, something that either propelled you to get into it, like saving the sea turtle or something else that 
has a, a deep emotional imprint on people? I think it's, for me, it was the, how to say it, uh, the value of life. Mm -hmm. When you, because when you look at the ocean, you know, to see it's just reflecting light uh, very often and you really have to dive in, immerse yourself in there to, to discover the whole new world and discover that in that world that is much bigger than ours, actually, uh, not only that we depend on uh, the whole life on planet depends on the ocean but, but there is probably much more life in the ocean than on land and that's something that is completely hidden for us and um, very often if you have i don't know um, forest fires for example you know it's something that is right in your face you can imagine that you can see the consequences and uh, forest burns down and um, whatnot but with the ocean, many of those things are just too distant and mm. hidden. And once you immerse yourself, dive in and find out that there is so much life and so much, so much to protect, uh, then it's, yeah, it, I think it, it, it adds to that picture, you know, the first mm. moment when you even, even, even start snorkeling or, or, or anything, when you, realize that it's not just water and stones, uh, but actual life, then it adds to, at least for, for me as a, um, somebody from Czech Republic, a landlocked country, knowing that uh, the sea is something for vacation probably, or that's how I was raised. Uh, but the life there needs to be protected. Um, that's probably the the moment or the experience that everyone should get and that's what we do in Science Planet or what we want to do with how is the water to give everyone a way how to experience it because not everyone can travel or not everyone can dive. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really exposed making people aware that the ocean isn't just this large body of water. What it represents mm -hmm. is life and it actually represents yeah. more life than the life that's on land. And you want to create a connection with the life that's below with us and say, look, this is, we are the caretakers for life. And this is one of the most important places. We just can't see it. You know, it's like no. a black, like a blanket being thrown over life. And so versus a forest, you can see everything. You have this big blue scion planet uh, with a blanket on top of it and you just can't see it. So, so it's really about exposing people that like, this is something that we do need to care for it. And we don't realize that there's a, quote unquote, a forest fire being burnt below the ocean um, that, yeah. that we need to focus on. Um, what do you think, um, what are some of like the, the current facts? What are the current pressing issues going on with the ocean right now? Like, like what, are the, what are the major problems that we're currently facing with the ocean um, that, that stands out to you? Like if, if we could fix a couple of these things, like, so, you know, what would those, what would be a couple of those major things that we we could fix if everyone got up and rallied? I think, I mean, just lately with Seaspiracy, uh, I think they did a great job of pointing out, I think the major issue, which is the overconsumption and uh, overfishing. Real quick, Seaspiracy, that's a documentary? Seaspiracy, the documentary on Netflix. Okay, uh, I haven't seen it. And, and uh, I mean, 
this sometimes the science behind and, and let's let's say that might be sometimes controversial about um what they did really well is focusing on the value of life and uh bringing up in or bringing into the spotlight this this issue of overfishing when mm-hmm. I mean, we are all about protecting the ocean and our uh, you know, temperature rises and uh, ocean acidification and all these problems and, and bycatch and all that, but um, I mean, what they what they point a the finger very well at uh, is that overfishing is right now the number one reason for uh, an overfishing like stocks or fish that should not be by definition because where they are very important in the in the whole chain and um i think that's the number one number one problem and the whole overconsumption in a sense i mean of course you have sound pollution and all these other problems but in terms of ocean health um we have done a tremendous job in 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 uh, destroying what's what's down there and in in uh, getting many species to to extinction, actually. Mm. Is there so we're saying like the, the the big thing is that we eat a lot. We 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 consume too much, right? And we and and, and so we're we're basically scraping through the oceans and 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 depleting all of its resources. Is there a way to have seafood, or a way to have that in a way that doesn't destroy the oceans, or is there some other way? Uh, or a certain type of seafood that people have, like because people are going to eat, they have to eat, they want to eat. No. Um, but what would you recommend instead? Is, is, is there another alternative that they could do? Um, not sure. I'm, I'm really not, not an expert on, okay. on, on this topic. But uh, from my perspective, it's uh-huh. not about we don't have to go vegan. Uh, uh-huh. You know, it's more about, I would say, cons- not trying to transport tons of fish from I don't know where in the middle of where they don't belong just for us to to mm-hmm. to consume it you know and consume a lot of it uh, I think if we manage to to fish locally and mm-hmm. consume locally in uh in the quantities that would be normal let's say or adequate to the supply because there is there's really plenty it's just the way how we harvest the ocean and how we destroy the ocean and how we don't uh, give the ocean the opportunity to regenerate or basically that we are taking much more than we need and that can uh, the ocean provide and in a way that is not even possible for 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 the ocean to to regenerate take uh, trawling and uh, all other kinds of um, fishing uh, that basically destroy the environment and nothing can grow there or live there uh, anymore after. Mm-hmm. So I would say mindfully, mindfully and under specific management, taking care of, of, of the ocean so we don't, we don't uh, overconsume and overstock, I don't know, supermarkets uh, 5,000 sure. kilometers away from the ocean. Got it. Got it. So it's, it's locally, sustainably, mindfully going into the ocean and making sure that you only support the businesses that really do it in a healthy and regenerative way. Like there's regenerative farming. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that. Cool. 
That's awesome. And so let's talk just a little bit about your journey with what you've done with this. I mean, so it was, um, I believe it started out as more of a 360 video. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong in that one. It became more and it got into the demo state. Can you, can you talk to me a little bit about your journey with the product that you're building and kind of where you are at today? Yeah. So, uh, how is the water specifically? Or mm -hmm. I'm coming from the. Start with how's the water. You start with that because that yeah. seems like there's the initiation and then it evolved yeah. into something different. So. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, the, the project uh, started with uh, Biennale College Cinema, uh, where we got selected in 2019, I think. Yeah, January 2019. And uh, in the scope of Biennale, it, it began as a interactive quite linear experience mm -hmm. um, with strong focus on narration. Uh, and we always have this, this um, aim that we want, give, we want to give people the opportunity to um, experience the ocean from a perspective of a local, from a perspective of a marine animal. So that's, that's consistent. But uh, throughout the development, we figure out that if we want to build this ocean simulation or ocean environment we have to put in a lot of a lot of work in terms of 3d assets and animal ai and and all that and uh it would be uh, we could do much more with that than just uh i don't know 15 minutes interactive experience that um we have looked into we also got a uh, funded by bavarian film commission here in games section mm -hmm. which again last year uh shifted the project more towards uh, games and XR games and all that entertainment perspective uh, in the project. So um, right now I'm, I'm really happy for the project as it is now because it got bounced from all these sides, you know, the, the storytelling part, the narrative part, and, and now more with the focus on gameplay in the last year and we played a lot with our prototype and trying i was trying we were trying to figure out how to approach the project from a perspective of a game and now we realize that the best way forward with the project is actually full-blown virtual ocean simulation where uh people can interact with each other can uh, experience different perspectives it doesn't need to be a dolphin it can be a shark it can be a whale and let this say emergent gameplay take over the experience and let people learn uh through playing uh and um i don't know if a, a simulation or a game or experience is the right term for it and uh i hope everyone will will uh experience it or play it mm -hmm. uh from their own angle love it and, and so so you went from being someone that does uh, primarily like um, narrative driven storytelling in a 360 immersive environment uh, to more of an interactive social um, virtual world per se. Yeah. Right. So, so, so you're doing that interact that the evolution because generally speaking, when you, um, especially with 360 videos, you go through and you do it once and you're like, Oh, that's cool. You take it off. There's nothing for you to do. There's nothing for your brain to really engage with and learn with and mm. grow with. And so being able to switch it to something that's more interactive, especially social, is something that then allows for people to kind of discover things, learn through doing, and also learn through sharing with others, which is 
probably like the best ways that we can we can learn as humans is that whole process of learn by doing, learn by sharing, and then and then you know develop uh, a relationship with the ocean as you go through this, hmm. which, I, which I think is a yeah. great direction. Completely great going. It goes with my my personal philosophy on social VR and and all the good that you can do with it. Um, when you're mapping out these things, so the virtual simulator, virtual ocean simulator is, is could be very, very massive, right? It could be, it's a grand vision. It's wonderful, <laughs> but it's a grand vision. So yeah. let me ask you a question. How do you, how do you design that type of thing? How do you design that type of world to you? What do you think about? What's your mindset? What's your process for creating this thing? Like, how do you, how do you, take small, small bites of the whale, I should say. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. As you said, it's a, it's a, it's a huge bite to chew on. Mm. And I think the key is to, to slice it or make it a modular, basically mm. uh, modular development where um, we have tested that, for example, inter interactions between species or animals underwater and the player. It's, mm. it's easy to do one-on-one, -on -one it gets a bit more complicated when you have two different, if you have mackerel, shark, and a dolphin, and if you introduce 30 or 40, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a complete mess, and it, the complexity scales up. Um, so yeah, the, the key to that and how we are approaching it now, also with, with uh, for example, funding, uh, we are looking at it um, as, as a modular, Modular, modular development, where we, where we know that we start with one playable character, uh, one perspective, and for example, one environment, uh, because of course, ocean simulation, that means that we want to go with uh, tropical, tropical coral reefs, but also with Arctics, Antarctics, deep sea exploration, all that. And uh, we of course need to take it step by step and uh, approach it from from that perspective even though I mean, we have been very uh, we are very lucky with all our partners and everyone would like to see this from their perspective developed you know so we already have a uh, inquiries about uh, full dome projection for example mm. again turning back to more linear 360 format and yeah sure great we have a we have a, a ocean simulation but again, something like a full dome projection, that's a completely different format, completely different design process. Yeah. And, and I would love to see it in as many places as possible. Uh, so we can deliver on our impact goals. And basically it's an impact project to, mm -hmm. to change humans' behavior. But uh, yeah. So let's, let's expand on that a little bit. You're talking about an impact project with uh, impact goals. Can you talk to me just a little bit about what um, what is an impact project? Can you explain it just briefly, and then talk to me about your personal impact goals uh, with this with this project with this project. Mm -hmm. um, so we have three impact pillars mm -hmm. around around how is the water. The first is um, educational part or educational pillar, where we want to uh, distribute the experience um, to schools and classrooms and youth uh, without the access to the ocean. Um, that's the first part. Uh, second pillar is actually what makes How Is The Water Do an impact project. It's intertwining impact mechanics directly in the gameplay. 
So, uh, for example, uh, when we implement coral gardening, mm-hmm. uh, you are tending your your own coral garden uh, in VR, but also at the same time, thanks to our partnership with uh, marine organizations, uh, you'll be able to directly support real-world coral reef restoration. And that way, we bridge the gap between, between say, the moments when we are the most engaged. Mm-hmm. For example, if, if when you are watching something on Netflix that is pro-environmental, uh, you are super engaged and you want to take the action and, and so on. But at that moment, Netflix tells you, okay, you finish this, let's, let's watch another thing. Let's finish watch through the night. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's not the best impact tool. That's why we would like to see how is the water as this bridge between really in a playful way being engaged um, in pro-environmental marine conservation virtually, but also be just a click away from from uh, taking the action in, in the real world, in the real world, yeah, together awesome. with uh, marine organizations. That's awesome. Uh, it's, it's awesome that you educate people, you get them excited and engaged, and then you give them some action to take that actually has a direct benefit on the planet, which, which, is, which is beautiful impact mechanics. What's the, what's the, third, mecha- uh, the third pillar? That- uh, the third pillar, so we have education, we have yeah. the direct connection, and mm-hmm. then, uh, oh, now I just lost it, education in-game, and the direct connection with with industry and enterprises, Uh, because we believe that uh, once we have this ocean simulation or virtual ocean simulation, I mean, the use for that uh, should be uh, so beyond uh, education and entertainment, but also connecting it to to science, research, and um, it's a blue economy or blue industry that is now dealing with um, issues like data visualization or um, other things um, connected, for example, different simulation, for example, to train AI uh, for underwater vehicles and, and things like that. So, I mean, it's, there it gets a even more complex, of course, but we would like to see how is the water as the ultimate ocean simulation used in in many different ways and for the benefit of uh, stakeholders that are now managing and you or or yeah benefiting from the ocean. So, uh, little clarity on the pillar three is it a is it a business and science resource pillar? So you're saying that it's what businesses and academics use ideally, like the, the, the goal being the, they're, they're going to use it as a simulator. They'll use it as a tool, they'll use yeah. it as a way to better understand. And so the difference between that and the first pillar of education is education is educating people that aren't, technical experts or have that in the space. Then the second one is mechanics where they can get involved. And you're saying the third pillar is ones that people have some sort of direct connection, um, either scientifically or monetarily Mm -hmm. 
to the ocean and then they can use this as a tool. Is that, am I getting, am I getting correct? Yes. Yes, 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 perfect. Okay, <laughs> Great cool, cool. Just, just clarifying that, um, <laughs> well, that's awesome. Um, with those ones, and you came up with those, um, those, those pillars, um, is there metrics? Is there numbers behind those? Are there like, hey, we want to get X amount of these people. We want to do this by this date. Is there some sort of metrics or roadmap you have um, to see if you're on the path to, to get to those pillars? Or follow those pillars. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So uh, we are working on different goals with different marine organizations and different partners. So, for example, with um, distributing the experience in, in school and classrooms, you would like to see this. Um, right now, the goal, the three years gold, is around 250,000 youths and children. Mm -hmm. And uh, we feel quite confident reaching it once the experience is done because thanks to those partnerships, we know that we don't have to build uh, those educational programs on our own. Um, we will provide how is the water and boost educational programs of our partners that have the experience and uh, and we don't uh, we don't dare to 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 go that way that we would be doing all and we want to focus on on developing how is the water and let uh, experts and people with, with years of experience with, with ocean literacy and uh, other topics to to give them basically another tool, another opportunity how to boost their their activities. That's cool. That's awesome. Um, so let's let's talk a little bit about where you are right now in terms of so you try. You know, uh, building VR can be expensive. It's a challenge. It can be a process. It's a labor of love. It's an amazing <laughs> one of the thing, but it's also a highly technical challenge to get into the space. Um, so right now, you've been pushing into the areas of of crowdfunding, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I'd love to learn just a little bit about that journey. What brought you into there? How did you go about it? And, and that kind of process. So crowdfunding for us is the first step in a fundraising process. And uh, it's been awesome journey, uh, a hectic beyond imagination and took uh, approximately six months of my life uh, or the life of, our, of my team. Yeah. And uh, it might seem then that the, the goals or, or the financial reward is, is uh, not uh, as high as it should be, but yeah. Uh, there are many more aspects to crowdfunding, and it uh, it's been an amazing experience, especially in terms of community building, uh, getting the communication right, um, discovering, developing the project itself to to bring the most value to people uh, while while doing this. Because I mean, as we touched on on that uh, several times, this can be a 15 minutes long uh, linear interactive experience uh, for Oculus Quest, uh, or it can be also uh, a science tool to visualize data in a sense. So uh, it's it's been a great uh, several months, um, really uh, crushing the project and again, bringing it back together and looking at it from different perspectives. Uh, so that helped 
it's a it's a Kickstarter or crowdfunding in general mm -hmm. is is a is a is a product launch in a sense with with all it that it uh, comes with that so from advertising marketing um, online to to really looking at our prototype and uh, rethinking many design decisions that we did during prototyping uh, that we uh, made during prototyping and, and and so on so break this down into the if you could just bucket into phases right let's break this down six months right and you're right because it's it's um everyone looks at something like oh you're just an overnight success congratulations and you're like you don't know how long it took me to get here and so but people just look at it and there's a lot great you know someone so let's just look at the six months if you were to bucket the six months and it's okay month one we did this month two we did this that's just a simple short summary. What did you do for each of the months going through this whole process? Just so that people can under, have an understanding of the journey and, and an appreciation for um, what does it take to actually push through something you're, you're deeply passionate for and you have a belief in? Um, okay, so first two months, uh, was trying to orient in what it means to launch a Kickstarter campaign or to bring a, a product uh, like this uh, to Kickstarter because uh, you'll find many guides and tutorials on how to how to launch another best e-bike or uh, I don't know what kind of other gadget. Uh, and there is a lot on games, of course, but we just don't really fit into many structures doing yeah. VR, XR, marine conservation. So that um, that was first challenge to, to figure out how to even launch, how to approach it. Do we need to put emphasis on PR or do we need to really put all uh, our time and energy into building a community, you know? So that took, took about two months trying, testing, uh, we, tried building uh, our mailing list, uh, tried with our super slim budget, play with Facebook ads and, and all that. Uh, so that then went over the next three, over the third and fourth month. And then when we made a decision and logged the date for the launch, uh, then everything will suddenly became super hectic and uh, got fried. And we, because you take care of PR, you need to take care of uh, a Kickstarter video, which is super important. Uh, the whole Kickstarter page um, has to look nice and also tell the right story. Um, talking to partners, getting, uh, getting your reward structure in place, pricing and all that and now you are now you are in a process where you are launching a game at a, and this, at the same time an impact project mm -hmm. so um, as a as a non-profit basically or a social enterprise so there were not that many guidelines that that we could stick to and we could we had to take uh, the best out of out of everything and uh, by far, I'm not, a, not an expert. Launched my first Kickstarter campaign. Uh, it's a, been a, it's been an experience of my of my life, definitely uh, mm -hmm. priceless. Um, so, 
Yeah, the first two months, mm -hmm. research, 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 get somebody who can help yeah. you launch uh, some agency, third and fourth month uh, testing, getting your communication in place, and that fifth, sixth month before, or the last month before the launch, make sure that you did uh, as many, that you have prepared as many things as you could from PR lists to uh, community to your reward packages, uh, do your math and projections and be prepared for different scenarios because that's something that I learned the hard way uh, that uh, you should be prepared for, for everything going wrong and how you uh, then uh, behave or what you can do to, to counter counter the effects of, of, for example, your strategic partner mm -hmm. uh, having, a, having a blackout for three hours during the launch hours and your, your whole affiliate no. structure of, of, of links <laughs> suddenly is not working and your strategic partner is having a pacific time. You are launching, uh, you are launching in the afternoon uh, European time, so that means that they are still sleeping when that happened. And now we are trying to call somebody uh, in LA and uh, getting them to wake up and fix their uh, fix their something um, yeah. to make the, all the affiliate links work because now people can't get to your Kickstarter campaign when you said that you'll go live and uh -huh. you are then live in three hours. So I mean, a uh, thousand stories, uh, yeah. definitely an experience. And uh, yeah, so far it's been it's been going really good for for so many hiccups that we have experienced. So, so let me just paraphrase back a little bit and I have a question about this. Okay, so first couple months, just understanding the best of, like here's the best of this, watch the best of that, just kind of learning, right? Yeah. Then when you see the flag in the sand, you're like, oh, we go live on that date? Wow, that's close. Then everything's on fire and now you're throwing everything in and you, you have to make a video, you gotta make it look good, you gotta get all stuff, you gotta get the package, you gotta get things going, you gotta get all that stuff going. All those pieces are together, right? And then when you go to launch it, um, really want to make sure that the technical flow works, right? Like, can people buy stuff? Can people go this? Will the message go out here? Does everything function? Or are you basically, are you, you know, dumping sand into a funnel with a lid on it? So no sand's actually going into it. It's just being blocked at the top. And so you want to first understand the environment. Then you want to basically just mad dash create as much as you can prepare as best you can test everything so it works and then now that you're in the mix of it and you and you're doing the the day-to-day -day of the kickstarter because you're in the currently you're in the process of kickstarter right now yeah. you're going through it right now um you are trying to get you're trying to drive traffic to there to get them to convert and and purchase or support you in in uh in the the project uh, what yeah. does your current day-to-day -day look like? What does that look like? Like how are you how are you trying to go about that? What is that? What are those, what's that? What's going on? <laughs> uh, so most of the day you are just spamming F5 on your keyboard and refreshing mm -hmm. that Kickstarter page <laughs> for, for two pledges. <laughs> the first thing that you do when you wake up, you. Look at your phone, refresh that page, and, and, and look at that. That's 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 ninety nine percent of the time. Yeah. And Is it working? One percent, uh, and the the rest of the day you are just yeah reaching out to people, 
getting uh, getting the word out, trying to get the traffic to your page. Uh, working, we have amazing network of ambassadors, so working with them to spread the word, um, think of other partners or networks that we could tap, tap into. Um, I'm sorry for many Facebook groups that we have uh, spent with our Kickstarter campaign over the last two weeks. Uh, probably like three or four <laughs> Facebook accounts got blocked temporarily uh, for doing that. Yeah. And I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a hell of a ride, but um, yeah, it takes definitely team preparation and dedication then for, for more than a month. For us, it's been already now, I think two months nonstop when uh, everyone is working weekends and uh, um, trying to get the best out of uh, the campaign. Yeah, uh, that's funny and very, very honest. I love that. It's totally true. I could imagine that because you put in so much time, you want to see, you yeah. want to, you're playing a very specific game. The, the game is go up, hit a number, right? And that's what you, and for this amount of time, you, you've put six months into it. So I, I, I completely understand because it's a very clear game. That number go up. It's very how to make that happen is, is you know whatever yeah. whatever you need to do. And I, I know I you know I've given you uh, uh, permission to spam spam my group. Uh, so I, I take no offense. I hope no other bots did that. Uh, it's a very noble cause, but again, it's one of those ones that you know it's like yeah. you have to have this like willingness to like know that you're spamming people, but be okay with it. You know, and there's this. And do it in the right way. You know, yeah. do it in the right way. We. We kept it once a week in yeah. a group, you know. What? So it's like two, three posts. But when you start doing it in uh, in uh, because there are so many groups, uh, I don't know. We have a list of five hundred relevant groups to our target groups. We are not spamming everyone, but even that doing then once a week going through I don't know five hundred groups uh, takes time, and then you really feel sometimes bad because. Even though it's one post per week somewhere, uh, then you have this feeling that you are uh, acting as a bot. And <laughs> yeah, it totally, totally. You feel like you, you feel like a real a real life bot. It's like yeah, please buy, please buy. Yeah, I, this is monkey work, and you are constantly thinking like there must be a better way to do this. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know, man. That's great. Uh, but the, but it's one of those things that you you want to you want to make this happen but you also want to do it in a genuine way a way that represents yeah, you something absolutely. you're proud of right and that's the thing is you want to evangelize without feeling icky and gross and sometimes online yeah. marketing can make people feel icky and gross even yeah. if you're trying to save the planet and save the ocean uh you still it's still uh it can yeah. be uncomfortable because people don't always want to hear it so what yeah. what lesson what lesson would you give uh people if you had to do this whole thing again you have to do the whole kickstarter everything that thing again what would what would what's your greatest takeaway? What's the thing if you saw like a a younger person of yourself trying to do something similar? What would you say? Hey man, turn left, don't turn right, go straight. What what advice would you give? Um, prepare, prepare as much as you can, uh, because um, yeah, definitely number one take uh, take away from from the whole um, six months is that uh, we felt that we are prepared, but then when uh, you go on a battlefield, uh, you find out that uh, you could have drilled uh, some some activities much more. And uh, but it, I mean that's that's probably with like uh, everything. So so preparation, yeah. preparation, and don't being afraid to ask other people because there are many people that launch 
super successful Kickstarter campaigns and they are usually um, very happy to help you and share their expertise and experience uh, with you. So, yeah. Cool. And ideally launch with a theme because, yeah, I nobody should be working uh, 20 hours a day. Uh, so it's better in the team to, <laughs> to share the load than everyone is working 20 hours a, uh, a day, but uh, still it's it's better, better with, with yeah. other people. It feels better. Misery likes company. And it's it's nice yeah. it's nice to have people with you to support you on the cause. Sometimes it, you know, if you're all struggling in the mud together, it's not as terrible. So I can, <laughs> I totally I totally get that, man. That's beautiful. Uh, is there is there any uh, last things you would like to let people know about um, before you tell them how they get a hold of you and your Kickstarter campaign? Um. I guess right now my head is only with the Kickstarter campaign and sure. uh, trying to find trying to find new ways how to connect people with the ocean. I mean that's our mission. Mm -hmm. So um, anyone out there, we are open for to new partnerships. We always are trying to find uh, new use cases for how is the water, how to get uh, the project out how to connect more people with the ocean how to really deliver on all our impact goals um because that's what it is for about for us uh it's about sharing the passion for the ocean and getting people to act in support of marine conservation so um open to open open to any discussions and uh helping other people uh with their ocean narratives uh and yeah Right now, it's only about for us um, about the Kickstarter campaign. Yeah. So you can easily find us uh, under "How is the Water" on Kickstarter. And uh, if you find it interesting, or if you want to uh, get in contact with with us, just reach out and uh, happy to have a chat about about "How is the Water." Awesome. So that's that's great. So if you go to Kickstarter and you search "How is the Water," you'll be able to find your Kickstarter campaign that's live right now. And you can go and support it, which I think is beautiful. So uh, this has been amazing. Uh, Michael, uh, thank you so much for your time. Uh, I really appreciate it. Um, I wish you the best of luck on your Kickstarter campaign. Um, I did I did back it as well. So just I, I, I am supporting you as a, thank as you. a full, full disclosure thing. Uh, but I love what you're doing, man. Um, and, and I think it's totally needed. Uh, people need to build more applications. Um, that help people take action uh, to better themselves and to better the planet. So uh, much respect, brother. I really appreciate your time. And Thank I you very much for having me. Absolutely. <laughs> and I'll, I'll, I'll see you in another reality. Take care, brother. Thank Bye. you. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Heroes of Reality podcast. Check out heroesofreality.com for more episodes. While you're there, you can also take the Heroes quiz to find out what kind of hero you are. Or if you have a great story and want to be on the podcast, tell us why your hero's journey will inspire others. Thank you for listening. See you on the other side.